Like I remember having those moments where I, you know, get with my colleagues ahead of time. Like, all right, let's make some predictions. Almost like let's play some bets on who's going to be the first to fall asleep. Who's going to have the most aggressive question for the facilitator? How many times is the facilitator going to say research says? Like I remember those moments of I'm going to game this up because that's my only focus right now. Right, because you're trying to make it exciting. Right. Who's going to be the person that calls in for a headache and never shows up for the days where we have professional development? Right. Oh, I could add each year schools in the united states spend an estimated eight billion dollars on professional development that's billion with a b to put that in perspective with eight billion dollars you could hire over 130,000 people and pay them sixty thousand dollars a year an extra staff member for every school in america or put differently it's over sixty thousand dollars on average that each school could spend Now, to be clear, I'm not anti-PD. Providing professional development is literally my job and my passion. But we can't ignore this elephant in the room. Some PD just sucks. On today's Educator Happy Hour podcast, we're exploring a major pain point that's destroying educator well-being and effectiveness, PD, which stands for pretty disappointing. Just kidding. PD stands for painful dentistry because it feels like pulling teeth. Piece of dung? No. Preparing death? No. What we're talking about is professional development. How do we put the professional first to advance educator development? Put more simply, how do we make PD not suck so bad? Welcome to Educator Happy Hour. Educator Happy Hour is brought to you by Top Youth Speakers. Are you looking to inspire your students or staff to not only motivate their thinking, but their actions in school and beyond? Then check out Top Youth Speakers. Top Youth Speakers is a group of 33 carefully vetted speakers and professional development leaders whose messages are engaging, evidence-based, and life-changing. Browse speakers, check out customer reviews, and watch preview videos at topyouthspeakers.com. Unfortunately, professional development is often oxymoronic. First, it doesn't always respect educators as professionals. Most PD doesn't give educators voice and choice and training that could actually benefit their teaching. Or PD often doesn't collaborate with educators' professional experience. Teachers are put into that passive position as listeners rather than engaged constructors of learning. The second major issue is it rarely leads to more development or growth. We as educators know that development takes time. It takes practice and mastery, experience and feedback and integration. Yet a lot of PD is all fire up and little follow through. So what do we do? How do we put the professional and the development back into professional development? If I'm a school leader, how do I organize PD in a way that empowers my educators? And if I'm an educator, how do I craft my own development, even if my school or district isn't supporting my needs? It's time to do a deep dive on this topic with one of the best professional developers I have ever met in my decade and a half career in education, Sherry Murphy. Sherry Murphy is the president and CEO of Quantum Learning, an organization she has passionately served for 25 years. Feeling ineffective after her first year of teaching, Sherry almost packed boxes and left the classroom. It was at Quantum Learning Workshop where she grasped human behavioral science concepts and learned the neuroscience behind best practices in teaching pedagogy that Sherry reframed her outlook. 
In turn, she was more equipped with tools and knowledge, leading her to enjoy another 10 years teaching fourth and fifth grade students with highly diverse backgrounds and needs. She attributes her decision to stay and thrive in the classroom to the methodology of quantum learning. Sherry is passionate about empowering people to discover and unleash their potential. She's fueled by the educators and students she works with and strives to create that same shift she previously experienced in them. Her belief in quantum learning as a means to inspire and achieve success is what drove Sherry to acquire the U.S. division of the company in February of 2022. Sherry resides in the west suburbs of Chicago, Illinois, where she thrives on being an active part in the lives of her three children. So, my educator happy hour hodgepodge, let's welcome Sherry Murphy to the table. All right, Sherry Murphy, welcome to Educator Happy Hour. We are so geeked to have you on board with us. I am like so super excited to be here. I can hardly sit in my chair. Most of all, this is just fun because like you and I just get to talk and we get to record the types of conversations we have all the time. Um, But I'm going to start with a question I don't know. I've never asked you before. I'm in the dark on this one. Um, If you're having a rough or stressful or just intense day, what is your drink or decompressor of choice? I would say my decompressor of choice is not a drink. It is uh, my meditation app. Oh, literally, if I am having a tough day, I just have a meditation app and I put in my headphones and I just go sit somewhere and I just let someone guide me through calming me down or getting grounded. That is my decompressor of choice. I like it. I like that. A lot of times people will get bent out of shape about mindfulness or like using meditation apps because they feel like it's something they have to commit to thoroughly. Like I have to do this app every single day or I'm failing at meditation. And I think for a lot of people just realizing like anytime you need it to just like take some breath and just be present or allow someone else to guide you through some way to reframe, I think is super, super helpful. Love it. Love it. I'm picturing you like in a super busy area, like traffic jam and you just plug in and you just disconnect <laughs> with the world. Cars honking at you, but you're just fine right. in your zen in that moment. Um, all right. Next question. So we, this topic is about professional development and how do we make professional development not so terrible? And so I really want to ask you, what is it like working for the devil as a professional development facilitator? What's it like on the <laughs> dark side. Um, No, in all all sincerity, you are the CEO, president, guru, the main person of quantum learning in the United States. Some people really, really are connected with quantum learning and know what it is, but many people, they might not have heard of quantum learning. Could you give some info? Like what is quantum learning as a professional development organization? You know, the way that I put it is, is you have two folks delivering the same exact content. And would you agree that two people would deliver that con? You would have two different experiences if they have no conversation and they both are supposed to get us to some outcomes. Like, would you agree that's two different experiences? For sure. With those people. So I would say that quantum learning really focuses on how, how we do our content, how we facilitate learning, how we create environments, how we set a foundation, how do we create safety? All of those things are a part of, a part of quantum learning. And I think that, you know, we really like want to inspire people to be more intentional with who they are so they can be more impactful at what they do. So it's about mm-hmm. making that facilitator of learning just more impactful at what they do by taking some time to look at themselves and, and you know, kind of reflect and analyze how they do things because how we do things matter. So I would really kind of say that we're the how we do our curriculum or our mm-hmm. content. Mm-hmm. I'll add on to my experience because I I had a chance to facilitate quantum learning for a decade and I was very invested in it 
completely shifted my world as an educator. And I think a lot of professional development provides the what, like here's what to do, here's what students need to be reading. But even between the what and the how is the why piece. And quantum learning, it goes deeper into how the brain actually functions, the mechanisms, the way human beings learn, the things uniting our brains and also the individual differences that I think that's what allows your professional development to really help people tackle the how so that they know the brain basis of why they're doing what they're doing so that they can achieve the actual outcomes they want. And they are very intentional and very strategic about what they do is really, really different than what a lot of professional development is, which I think speaks to why it is so impactful and so influential for so many educators. Why do you think professional development gets such a bad rap from, or bad rep from educators um, when they hear about professional development? What are we getting wrong? Well, you know, first off, I think that I understand professional development getting a bad rap mm. when it is someone else prescribes it. Mm. And we don't understand the purpose or we're constantly as educators, right? We've got this and we've got that and now it's this and now it's that. So it just can be stressful. So I think, you know, biggest thing is, is that, what you know, work, working as the professional developer is I just always am trying to work with leadership of like, okay, what what is our focus here? What are our main things that we're going for? What is big picture? What is our mm. purpose? Because mm. when we don't see the purpose, then we get prescribed someone else handing us a prescription that we yeah. may or may not want, like unsolicited advice. No, yeah. thank you. So I so, would love, tell me more about some of those conversations you have with administrators, uh, because it, sometimes it feels like professional development is a last minute decision where they're just looking at the calendar like, oh crap, we have to do something on this date. So they like quickly Google someone else to come in. And then that's oftentimes why it feels so disconnected to our purpose. On your end, having talked with so many school leaders, like what are some of those conversations like? How do you gear them or direct them towards finding more purposeful professional development? Well, we do our best. <laughs> like you say, Chase, sometimes yeah. we get, you know, in front of a conversation and they're like, yeah, do you, are you open in like, you know, four weeks? And it's like, yeah. yes. I once had this one time this administrator say to me like, okay, well, I don't want just like a drive by. Mm. I want people to actually apply it. And I was like, then you have to give more than 90 minutes. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? And he was like, fair enough. So, you know, many times I think just start with that purpose, like help me see your vision. What is this yeah. connected to? What are your main goals? I know you have a strategic plan, but with this one district, I was like, I know you have a strategic plan, but are we, do you have like, what are those three things that you are focused on for the year? And is everybody mm. super clear? Are those like mm. the, the topics of our conversation? Are they posted somewhere? Are they, mm. you know, is everything that we are doing connecting to that bigger picture? A lot mm. of people are like, uh, that's a really great point. And so I've got a few districts that are like working on not just here's our strategic plan. Who wants to read that document? <laughs> right. Something, right. Like yeah, I was like, yeah. I know you have one. I don't want to read it. What I do want to see from you is like some type of a visual representation of what are your three main focuses of the year and are, does all of your professional development link in? Mm. There are groups out there that really First of all, they're generally larger districts and they have somebody who that is their position to focus solely mm. on purposeful professional development. So more things link and they see and they plan and they, you know, th those people in those positions are geeked out about how can we support the bigger picture. And mm. then there's places that it's like, we need something on this day. We don't know what to have teachers do. Can you come and do it? So you, you get a mix, but 
you do your best with questioning. Sometimes the questions take and sometimes people don't have time for the questions and they just want to know if you can come out. <laughs> right. Well, I, I, I think of like, if I were to connect it back to my experience as a teacher, like sometimes it feels like those days when like you run out of stuff to do in the classroom and you just have this time. And so you're like, oh, I'm just going to fill it. I'm just going to fill it with something to do. And then learning that so much of good teaching practice is really planning ahead and really intentionally in advance, figuring out how are we going to supplement? How are we going to support? How are we going to take this deeper and more extensively? And I could very much see that being from professional development of not just kind of like as the calendar pops up, you look for it, but you have thought in advance and you have really broken down. Okay, here's first of all, the main target we're going to be reaching for. Here's how we're going to support it. Here are all the different activities. Um, so much of professional development and doing it well seems to be really planning ahead. Yeah. So when you get into working with teachers, what are some of the things that you know are going to make the professional development tank? And what are some of the things that you know are really successful? And what works, what doesn't work when you're working with teachers? First off, like knowing the world that you are going into. Is mm -hmm. this a well, like what is the bigger picture? Mm -hmm. And if this is like one of those things where it's like, we need this date filled, then we, mm -hmm. I work to create that bigger picture within the professional development, right? So if yeah. teachers are going to be there, they don't want to be there, they don't know the point or the purpose, that's what we spend yeah. a little bit of time in the, in the morning is getting grounded and connected that I see you. I understand mm. you. I hear you. You know, I have been in that position um, at one point, so I, I I can relate to you. Fortunately, the things that we we talk about are what we do on a day to day basis, and how we can do those things even better mm. than we're currently doing. So mm. my topic is of of high interest. But again, it just gets grounded. Like, what has you here? Like, if you have to be here, this is somebody else's <laughs> great idea. What What is your intention for today? What would make today a success for you besides getting out of here? That's not happening unless you want, you know, want to suffer the consequences of the school district. Right. But like, what do you want to get out? I mean, Chase, I am usually like, I'm the Friday before uh, Labor Day weekend. <laughs> right. right? Rough, yeah. I'm the first day, you know, back from the summer when folks are completely yeah. overwhelmed. And so... <laughs> Knowing what you're walking into yeah. and then calling out the elephant in the room gives everybody a chance to to breathe and and you know that's the first thing is as I always say we we all have an agenda but when you are servicing the people right like connect to the people know the people and then every like everything else can fall into place a, a little bit better but if you don't see the people and you're like oh great like great now we're gonna do this and the, the, like we're just start on the treadmill that we all are running on right. all the time right then it's really it's disconnected but once you connect to the people and they're like okay she you know she understands that we're our minds are nuts right now yeah. or we're pretty much on vacation because we get out at 3 p.m and i'm heading out you know for the labor day weekend or whatever the yeah. case may be chase no joke one time I was at a school district and they, they had like a half hour in the morning. They got out of school that half hour and then they came to me for the rest of the day. Uh, they did not get to go home. They had PD right after they let their kids go for the summer. That's I mean, well, <laughs> Talk about setting up the, the trader, the facilitator for failure. I had a, a similar one. I mean, I... 
I had a chance to travel to remote Alaska, Chivak, Alaska, middle of the Alaskan tundra. And for whatever reason, and I still don't know how they got away with this, the principal or the administrator was holding teachers after contractual hours to do afternoon PD. So they taught a whole day and then without getting paid, they were supposed to show up for this professional development. And it was like I was the target of their frustration and angst. And it was so, so hard because I totally got it. I'm like, what I wanted to say is like, no, you guys shouldn't be here right now like I want to affirm that this is not okay and and sometimes that's one of the challenges Um, but what I think you're speaking to a lot of is there's this level of affirmation because I think educators are really strong gatekeepers of the experience of education like I know as a teacher I would always have this lens when someone would come in of like how do you know what it's like to be in my position like have you ever even taught my age group before have you ever even taught students like my students you know like we always come up with these little checklists of like no, you do not qualify to give me support and affirmation. Um, But the work you do in particular is you work really, really hard to understand and your background is with education. Um, So could you speak to a little bit of of what are the ways that you do affirm educators? You do let them know that you have been there before, that you see them. Oh man, Chase, I'm just like resonating with everything. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's just so true. I I speak to the experience and, you know, Mm. just ask some questions of, you know, how many of you have a to-do list that you could be working on right now? And then everyone just raises their hands and they feel like, I do, and be like, yeah, I, yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, and I frequently tell a story of a student that I had. I worked on the, on the south side of Chicago, and I had a, you know, a student that called me a fat, ugly, greasy, white hoe. And <laughs> with that, everybody just loses it because I'm like, okay, we all have our understanding of like fat and ugly, right? That's all up to our own, but look greasy, like, come on, you know, anyway. And so it's like, I've been there. I've been called the names. I've been, and so yeah. that story is very affirming. And then I just take a moment too. And a lot of times I just bow out to just thank you for, and I'll just say, thank you for your working past the clock hours. Thank you for, you know, being mm. a parent, a caregiver, uh, and just list the things that educators mm. do. It is a yeah. challenging, challenging, amazing yeah. profession. It really yeah, is. For sure. And I think like going back to the idea of gatekeeping, like it makes sense why educators are gatekeepers. Like how many times do they have people come in who like don't acknowledge their to-do lists and don't know what it's like to be yelled at by a student. And I think for that reason, good professional development is facilitated by people who can affirm they've been there before, they've seen it before. Although interestingly, I'm going to get a little nerdy for a little bit here. Um, before you and I hopped on, I, you know, I do my nerdy thing where I started looking for peer reviewed research around whatever the topic is. And I was really curious to know, like, does professional development actually work? Like, is there actual data to support that it does work? And I stumbled upon a meta-analysis. I'll link it into the show notes for listeners. And what it was looking at is trying to tackle that very question of what works do we know if it works and one of the things they found is that there wasn't a ton of really good strong research a lot of the studies they looked at were like no this doesn't even qualify for what we're searching for but they did find enough where they could pack what are the things that make it effective and so one of the questions that came up within that research was how important is it that the facilitator has a background in education so like does it matter that you have an external source or should it be internal and in my mind 
I was like, oh, like for sure an internal professional development would be better than someone externally coming into my district. But what they found is that having someone externally can be really effective as long as that person is more of a guide on the side rather than what we hear the phrase of all the time, the sage on the stage. So if they shifted in that like mentorship role of I'm here to support the work you do, that made it really, really effective. And knowing you, I would love for you to share and speak to how does the style of your professional development take that role of being a guide, a support rather than I have all the answers? Right. Because what we we come sometimes to some districts a couple of times a year and (laughs) the workshop is not what makes the difference or the program. It's what the people do with the program. I believe Todd Whitaker said that, right? We can be a support, but really ultimately it's leadership or lead teachers that take the information they're the ones who are i'm trying uh, lack of a better term like right they're eating out of the trough like they're the ones mm. doing the work they are in the play so they know better than than i do i consult with a whole bunch of different different districts but sharing right. your story with me and connecting with leaders in that district of here's what your next steps are we can provide mm. and this is something that we're focusing on next year is now that you've had the workshop it is vital and, and, mm-hmm. and it, it may get to a point where we will work with people who are willing to form teams, leadership teams, make it part of the, the professional mm-hmm. learning community that gets attended to. Because when things are attended to, they stay in the forefront of our mind. How easy to yeah. go to something and then, oh, I forgot about that. It's been six months. Yeah. Well, this needs to be constantly attended to so that we can constantly reflect. So we can set up you know, a structure for teams and how, how to have conversations. Mm-hmm. What, you know, what have you been focusing on? What's your personal goal? What's your, um, mm-hmm. you know, team goal? What's, how are we contributing to the bigger picture besides just our classrooms with this? Like, mm-hmm. so we can provide that, that support on the side, but it really is the people who yeah. choose to attend to it or not. Well, that that back end work, I think, is really interesting that a lot of professional development companies or programs or whatever you want to call it, like very infrequently does it seem like they have invested conversations with the administrators, school leadership on not just like, hey, what am I going to do the day of, but how is this going to be ongoing support for others beyond? Because um, that was another one of the interesting questions in that meta analysis was like, how much does timing matter? Like total amount of time you're spending on professional development. What they found is that if you do like short professional development, like an hour or 90 minutes, the only way that typically works is if you are doing a very specific strategy. So like I am just looking at how I'm using questioning to build reading ability with my students. And like, unless you're getting very specific with a very targeted idea, it's not going to be effective unless there's constant follow-up and that people get a chance to be coached and supported along the way. That is such a critical part that I think a lot of professional development is missing. Let's flip a little bit because a lot of this is looking at, okay, school leaders, here's what you can do. But I want to put myself back in that position of just being a teacher. I have no control over what my school leader is telling me to do. I'm sitting in this professional development, right? So like, what do I do if I'm in the middle of crappy PD? Like, how do I move forward and still feel like I'm developing professionally? Any insights on that recipients and as a teacher? Yes. And here's the, like, if we're stuck and we feel like we have no control, I mean, first off, the, the first action step as a teacher I always did was, is try to have a conversation. Try mm. to have a purposeful conversation to see if feedback will be heard. 
Sometimes it will. Sometimes it will not. So that's my first step Ooh. is like, how do I help to influence, right? I can't control, yeah. but I yeah. can. I still can be an influence. So how do I speak with a good purpose, not with an intention to complain, but with an intention to, you know, sharing a perspective? Again, sometimes it's listened to and sometimes it's not. So I would mm. say that's my first step is to try and, you know, try and have some leadership influence there. Do you the have any? Do you have any like uh, like hot tips of like what are some some phrases you would use to open up that conversation? Because oh. I like a lot of educators, they'll have conversations, but yes. with other educators after the professional development, rather than you know having the feeling empowered or at least feeling safe to bring up those concerns to their school leader. So like, do you got any? You got any fancy phrases? Any uh, hot tips around that? Well, and, and I don't know if they're fancy phrases, but it's like always speaking in theory. Mm. Right. That's one thing that I've learned from quantum learning is so what mm. we know is when we have random professional development where that doesn't mm. feel connected to anything else, many folks are on their phones and the, the professional development is ineffective. Mm. When we do not see a purpose or a connection, it's ineffective. So speak in theory mm. instead of I didn't like that, you know, instead of making it about us, but like in theory. So if we want more, do you want more people to be, you know, or do you want to get more bang for your buck out of your professional development? Things like mm -hmm. that are good conversation starters. Instead of like, this was dumb, it wasn't good. Well, why? How, how, mm. What about it wasn't good? Yeah. So that's where I would always start is speaking in theory. Like I'm, and here's, here's a phrase that I will frequently say. I'm not sure if you're aware. I'm not sure if you're aware, but 90% of the folks today were not paying attention to professional <laughs> development. Like if that were me spending that money, that doesn't yeah. sound like a good use of the money. Yeah. So are you interested in having conversations so that we have more? So like speaking to what you are seeing or what is happening, again, that theory, yeah. instead of just like, well, I'm here to tell you that this was dumb or I didn't, you know what I mean? Instead of just mm. kind of giving an opinion, but share that, share that theory. Now, if I am a teacher and I was, and I sat through <laughs> professional <laughs> development, that was uh, less than useful. I can neither confirm nor deny that I would write notes to my teammates during her. I don't know, like just right? saying that I brought, I always brought entertainment to the, like I found, right? We know oh, yeah. unresourceful oh, yeah. state will seek a resourceful state, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. What the amount of like me? the professional development bingo. Like I remember having those moments where I, you know, get with my colleagues ahead of time. Like, all right, let's make some predictions. Almost like let's play some bets on who's going to be the first to fall asleep. Who's going to have the most aggressive question for the facilitator. How many times is the facilitator are going to say research says like I remember those moments of I'm going to game this up because that's my only focus right now right because you're trying to make it exciting right? who's going to be the person that calls in for a headache and never shows up for the days where we have professional development right, right? oh I could add to that bingo board yeah chase. right that's my idea <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh that is so funny but I mean, literally, and, and it's funny, I, I have a friend who's a high school math teacher, you know, been in education mm -hmm. for quite a while. Um, in fact, just got in, inducted into the Hall of Fame for basketball in Illinois. Um, but anyway, one thing that he always said to me that really resonated with me, he goes, listen, Sherry, if I can just take a, have one takeaway. So I listen that whole day and I just go, what is my one takeaway from this professional mm -hmm. development, right? Some you have in your natural, like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I'm getting boatloads when I didn't think I was going to get anything. But then some you mm -hmm. sit and struggle through. And yeah. so one the ones that I sit and struggle, it's like, all right, what do I hope to get out of today? Um, even if it's validation, like, yep, I do, I do something like that. That's right. kind of, oh, could I do better? So I do a lot of questioning in my head to, you know, mm -hmm. set my purpose and, and try and get something out of it for the day and just keep it a bit, you know, big picture in mind of like, you know, again, this is out of my control. So what can I control? 
mm. and just doing our best with that because man sometimes yeah. PD could be rough yeah it can be <laughs> you know i think the mindset of an educator going into professional development i understand like being in that moment of looking with dread towards it but there is something empowering of i'm going to go into this and just try to find one thing just at least allows me to focus a little differently so that a i don't have to buy into the whole thing because a lot of times that doesn't always work for my context or my world as a teacher um, but i can at least look for something like you said that is a framing of like oh yeah i used to do that way more this does seem like it could be supportive but the other thing that you were talking about earlier as you know you're looking at approaching and advocating to your school leader is if it isn't working, do I at least have a concrete idea of what would make it more effective? Because I know a lot of administrators, friends of mine, or people have been in the trenches of that, of like, they hear the complaints of what's wrong all the time, but very infrequently do people come to them of like, hey, here's what would be more effective. And so I think from an advocacy standpoint of, A, I'm going to try to like at least try to gain something from this, even if it's one thing, but B, I'm going to be thinking about if this were to be more effective, what would that look like? And that's what I'm going to voice to my school leader so that they are empowered to make decisions that help affirm me and support me because I don't know many school leaders who don't want their staff to improve. I know a lot of them that might feel disconnected of what would actually help, but very infrequently are they like, I don't want them to improve. So how do we empower our school leaders to empower us in return? Yeah, no, that's a really, a really great point, Chase. Here's a question that's, how do we balance the individual needs of a teacher with the collective needs of the school? For example, I know all the time, you know, especially specials teachers who are like, what am I going to use this with my giant orchestra class? Or uh, what does this look like in an art classroom? Like they have very specific individual needs, but we also as a school district or as an organization have to find some collective thing that we can work on. What has your experience been with that? Of How do we respect the needs of the individual, empower them, but also work as a common group towards a greater goal? Well, and again, Chase, I think our, you know, quantum learning's uh, subject area, mm. we always just, if, if you interact with someone with a, a brain in their head, sometimes you wonder if they, people do have a brain in their head, but if you, <laughs> if you interact with anybody with a brain, our, you know what I mean? There is something here for you. I do like that. That big picture, what are what are we working for as a district? And then, you know, a lot of times in our in our workshops, we take time for processing. Teams process for big picture school district, but then we also have time for individual reflection and kind of rate, like, where do I fall on this? How how do I do this well? What else could I do to do this even better? So mm. allowing time for those people to make those connections and have those conversations mm. in the professional development. I think is, you know, a great way to, to allow people to like go through both of those lenses because it is, we are even bigger picture than a school district, you know, whatever is your, your big picture for life, you know, whether you are religious or spiritual or, mm -hmm. you know, your big picture for what your purpose is in life, but like always being, we're, we're connected to something greater, you know, so a school district and then your goals for yourself and, and why you think that you're here on this earth. So mm -hmm. just doing our best to Everything just to, for me just comes down to purpose. But I also do think sharing sharing lots of examples too. Like that's a, mm -hmm. one thing that I always enjoyed, especially you know being in your workshops too, Chase. I just hearing those examples mm -hmm. just is so helpful. And thinking about those who don't feel so included in our workshops, like the social workers or the like you said band or the PE teachers. I tr you know mm -hmm. even including them in of um, and and just making sure our examples can be universal so that 
humans so that they can grab onto something that might, you know, might make a connection for them. For sure. The power behind images. I mean, I, I know a central part of quantum learning is helping people form images and providing prompting and space, like you talked about, like allow people to make the connection to picturing themselves using this. And a lot of times professional development, it's just like all lecture from the front without any time for people to like actually slow down and make those connections of what does this look like in my context? Because almost every educator I know, they can make those connections as long as they're prompted to. But then that deeper idea of now as a facilitator, I also want to try to provide as many images as possible. So if someone isn't grasping onto how it connects to them, hey, here's a ready-made image of what it could look like in your state and your world. Uh, is a great way to increase the, the comprehension and the impact of what educators are doing with professional development. Yeah, and, and Chase, I, one of the, I remember sitting in your keynote, and I've been, you know, again, many, 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 many keynotes where you mm. sit there dormant, but like mm. one of the things that you did when you posed those questions and those challenges, when we have our audiences think, connect, right, then mm. their neurons are firing, and it just allows it to be a more personal experience and it also just sent a message of like, our brains matter. So, and it was so fun when you pose those questions, because I'm like, what? And then I'm waiting for the answer, right? Just all the natural mm. things that, and so like, I just think that that's unusual, like even for more so for keynotes, maybe than mm. some professional development. I think people are catching on to the, have your participants be an active part, but You're even right. in your keynote, you know, you did the same thing, Chase. And it just, yeah. I just remember being like, oh my gosh, that's the first keynote where, you know, all the lights are out in the auditorium and it's up on the stage. And we like stopped. And I remember chatting with the person next to me and I was way off in my guess. And I was like, man, I thought I knew this answer. <laughs> but it was just, you know, like just ways yeah. to bring people in individually and, and kind of capture their attention. That's just so cool. Yeah. Some of it, I think, even takes off the pressure of the facilitator because that running professional development is really freaking hard. Like you you and I know this because we live this world, right? And so there's all this pressure sometimes like that. We have to know all the answers that we have to know how to make the connections. And I think it is empowering both for the facilitator and especially the, the teachers or the educators of like, no, I don't have the answers. I'm just here to facilitate some thinking. I want to hear your thoughts as well. Kind of kicking it back to you. One of the things I've loved watching you do in professional development is when someone poses a question, rather than you just like diving straight in with an answer, I've seen you time and time again, like you'll pause, you'll actually let people share their answer first, you know, in small groups or pairs before bringing it back. And that is such an empowering and affirming thing as a, a participant or audience member of like, oh, like we can work on this together and to have that level of like, no, I don't have to have all the answers because when I'm not here in your school or your district, like you all are going to figure this out on your own. So empowering and so affirming. So I could nerd out with you forever, uh, professional <laughs> development, uh, but we're going to move into a section of our podcast we call statements, where I'm going to give you a statement. You have four options. You can strongly agree with the statement, agree, disagree, or strongly disagree. And we're going to start off with something that has nothing to do with professional development just to get us warmed up. And then we'll get a little bit nerdier around education. So here is your first statement. Okay, I'm ready. Aliens exist. Agree. Tell us more. Tell us more. <laughs> like, I have to follow up on that one. We're not just going to leave people like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot that we don't know in this world, yeah. um, a lot that we have yet to see. And so I do believe that aliens exist because of that. Yeah. I mean, I believe in things that I can't see. Right. How about you? 
Right. I, you know, if we get down to like the, the nuts and bolts of like life of an organism and we're counting anything that is living outside of our earth as an alien, then like I would a hundred percent say, yeah, I don't know if I'm into like the whole like green alien giant eyes, although like, like I really want to, I want to believe, I don't know. I just think the supernatural part of my brain is like, that would be really cool. <laughs> yeah. What had you start with that question, Chase? That is what I yeah, no. Chase. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking the other day, I, I think everyone has a moment in their life that is like unexplainable and they have no choice but to like grasp onto some supernatural or metaphysical belief system. And I had one of those moments when I was a junior in high school where I was at a soccer camp and I'm looking out the window and like I legitimately see this light that's moving like a plane and then it just disappears and then it pops up somewhere else. And it was like one of those things where, you know, a friend of mine also saw, we're trying to like wrap our minds around like, what could it be? Could it be a plane? Could it be? And like nothing explained it other than it is some flying object that we have never seen in our life it was before. a ufo chase that's I mean, what it was again could could have been green-eyed aliens or it could have just been <laughs> something beyond my ability but i don't know that was a moment where i'm like nothing else can explain it so i have no choice but to grasp towards the supernatural so that's honestly that's, that's where that question came from okay here is it. here's your next statement teachers should choose their own professional development agree tell us more I, well, I didn't do strongly agree mm. because I also think that sometimes, in, you know, in this life, if I was not open to a suggestion from someone else, mm. then I wouldn't have been introduced to certain things. However, mm. I do believe in the power of choice. And when we feel empowered to choose, we have greater buy-in. So that's why I didn't mm. choose strongly agree. Mm. I chose agree because I do think it's important, but I also think it's important to be taught things that we don't even know that we like. No, I don't want to try alligator. No, I don't want to try squid. It would have been my, like, I would never have tried those unless someone was like, come on, it tastes yeah. like chicken. Yeah. So that's, that's why I say agree. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of times people fall into that trap of feeling like it's like all or nothing. It's either you have no choice yeah. or you have unlimited chaotic choice. And I think what you're speaking to is the idea of like, there's a middle ground. There's a middle ground of like, people can help provide us with new ideas and even some, some options and some choices, but still human beings need power, the ability to move within those with what works for their life, their worlds. You are catching what I am putting down or throwing. You back. know, it's it's because of that alien interaction when I was yeah. a junior. Like I just I just have these abilities that no one knows about that is being revealed in this podcast now. Okay, next statement. Um, you and I have talked about this many a time. Your statement is teaching is an unsustainable career path. I wish people I wish people could see your face right now as you're doing like this long <laughs> sigh. Like I feel like you don't really want to go into this because we're going to have a very passionate conversation, but we have to. I want to, I want to hear your first, your response. Uh, strongly agree, agree. Strongly agree. All right. Let's get after it. Tell us more. There has to be a shift. There mm. is just no way that it's like working somebody to like, especially when someone is passionate about what they, what they do or want to do it well, the mm. time, energy, that is put into this is unsustainable in mm. order to do this. Well, we have got to create time and resources yeah. for these magical beings who are in the most important profession of educating our youth. We have got 
to come up with a different way to support the magic of educators. Now, I'm, I'm not saying all educators care or all that kind of stuff, but man, oh man, it is, it's too much on a person's plate. For sure. That word time. I mean, it came up earlier when we were talking about, you know, what are the, what are the roadblocks for someone in professional development is like, oh, I don't have time. Or like, I have this to-do list or I have all these other things. And now I have to sit in front of some room of the facilitator. Like, I, I really believe that if educators were provided more time to do what they need to do, and now just tack it on, like compensate for it too, that that's one of the biggest issues is that we just, we don't have time to think. We don't even have time to pee in the middle of our day. Like, mm-hmm. where are we going to have the time to really tackle the problems and develop the resources and practice the skills that... That would be such a major change to education in so many positive ways. Hallelujah. And when we're ready for us to design, you know, what that might look like, I have lots of input. But okay, that's not today, Chase. (laughs) (laughs) Another day, another podcast, another time. Every teacher should have an assistant. Every Okay, 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 okay. (laughs) Okay, so the last statement, um, this one is going to tap into your experience as a parent. So you have three amazing kids, um, very different kids. I've had the honor of getting a chance to interact with your kids and meet them and just see their beauty in all their different levels. Um, Here's a topic though. Schools should ban cell phones. Disagree. Tell us more. I don't think we need to ban them. Mm. I think we can for sure create boundaries. Again, there's that balance, right? Cell phones can be cool. We can use them as tools. We can model great things to do with our cell phones. However, I do believe in boundaries and Chase, my son just went on a a volleyball um, tournament weekend and his organization on the five hour bus ride to Detroit kind of passed by you and um, I <laughs> to right by me. So <laughs> <laughs> give a honk for Chase, but they were not allowed to use their cell phones on the bus. They were not allowed mm. to have their cell phones overnight in the hotel rooms. They were given like a 30 minute time to do what they needed to do and then to check mm. back out. And I was just like, ah. in mm. fact, I'm sorry. One more thing on this. I have heard kids say, and these are kids that have also gone to like a, a leadership camp that my kids are able to attend to and cell phones are banned for the entire week is one kid said, man, I wish I was born in the olden days. You didn't have to worry about all these cell phones. I had so much fun playing games and connecting with other people. I wish I was born in the olden days. But that's from the words of a mouth of a child. But anyway, so that's, I don't, not banned, but boundaries, yes. Yeah. How did you facilitate that with, with your own kids of trying to, because I think it is really hard. Like it's so hard as a teacher to try to police it, or at least that's how it felt is that like, I'm policing it and I'm not getting the support. So with your own kids, what do those conversations sound like around having this powerful thing in their hands at school? I also am aware that my kids have a different uh, tolerance for it. Like there's usually mm-hmm. an AirPod in with the whole music thing, which mm-hmm. I cannot do, but I have witnessed my kids be able to listen to something and and work um mm. I still like I say it and you you know I know folks can't see my face I'm still like I still struggle with that <laughs> and I'm open that I don't I guess I don't know everything I guess that's a thing um but yeah we just talk about like what are you in school for you know attending to things and check your phone as you're going through the hallway or whatever, but Snapchat can wait till after school. So mm. we, we have a lot of those conversations, but then also to asking them, what do you feel like you need to do on your phone during mm. school? What do you like about it? What, what do you not like about it? 
What have you found works for you? Like just listening to myself, mom, I tried this new thing, mom. And I was like, I had this here. And then he's like, I really, I got through a lot of my stuff that day because I was, you know, doing that. And so like Mm. listening to them about what they're finding works and what they find don't work. Again, not always just mom telling, I'm really good at that, but but also just doing what you're doing, Chase, asking questions and and hearing their responses to it too. I have a family sign in the next room and it's like, we value people over electronic devices. (laughs) Like we have boundaries in our home. Yeah. Literally that is a statement on there. We have, we have boundaries in our home with us. No phones at the dinner table. No phones yeah. when you're seated in a car in the front seat. You, mm. you can always ask her, can I please check and see if so-and-so's responded for something? You can you can do that, but you're not sitting in a front seat. Honestly, mm. like we have certain boundaries. It's like, put it away. No, mm. no, mm. We, we, we put those boundaries up. So my kids are used to boundaries. So yeah. they sound really cute when they're judging others. Yeah, the kid's <laughs> always on his phone. I'm like, yeah, and you never are. I know, right? Like, <laughs> anyway, it's cute. Yeah, well, the boundaries and the coaching for self-awareness. Yeah, I think that's a, a big piece of it, of like helping helping kids realize and even reflect on like mindfully, intentionally, like why am I reaching for my phone right now? What am I gaining from it? What am I losing? Is 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 a piece of this for sure? Which again, I think we could do a whole nother podcast on that conversation. So yeah, audience, right. be ready because I'm going to keep bringing yeah. Sher- Sherry back. We're just going to keep nerding <laughs> out on these things. Um, all right. So, well, for the sake of this podcast's episode, we are going to draw things to a close. Final question. How can people find you? How can they learn more about quantum learning or about the work that you do? Uh, our website, quantumlearning.com, um, has has some information on there. You can reach out to me directly at S. Murphy, Smurphy, yes, that is on purpose, um, <laughs> at quantumlearning.com um, at, just to inquire about teacher programs. And then, you know, on our websites, we have public public um, workshops that, you know, it doesn't matter what you, if your district has us or not, if you want to come and learn how to improve ourselves so that we can uh, be more effective at what we do. Yeah, we have public workshops that'll be, you know, continually put up on the website throughout the year. Awesome. Love it. We'll have links to all of those ways to find you in the show notes as well. Um, With that, Sherry Murphy, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for supporting my belief in aliens and extraterrestrial life. Like that's really important here. Uh, But thank you for the work you do. And thank you for who you are. All right, let's make a collective effort to put professional and development back into professional development. Here's your homework, Hodgepodge. If you're a teacher, number one, advocate for your own growth. What that could look like is research a conference, virtual course, training, etc., and ask for it. School leaders are often so overwhelmed with the decision fatigue and the burnout of their work that they often just don't know what would help. So ask for what you need, and my tip is to try to ask early because funding requests often happen months, years ahead of time. Second, request a timeline of implementation for any current professional development or initiative you're experiencing in your school. A lot of energy goes into the day of the PD, but more consideration needs to happen after the PD. Here's some questions you should ask your school leaders. One, how long should we anticipate it will take to have full implementation of this PD or initiative? Number two, can you give me a sample timeline of the stages of implementation? Number three, what should I prioritize my focus on in the next month, in the next week? And number four, what are three practices you would want to see to know that I'm on track with implementation? 
So don't just wait for the professional development to land perfectly. Try to create the professional development in the ways that you can. Now, if you're a school leader, here's your homework. First, all those questions I just suggested a teacher to ask, make sure you have answers. And make sure you can answer this question. How does this PD support our existing goals and initiatives? Because initiative fatigue is real, my friends. And if you don't have the answer, it's going to be really hard to have that clarity with your staff. Number two, ask for feedback on current professional development needs. In the show notes, I'm providing you a link to an efficacy survey I developed with ASCD. It will help you narrow down the primary instructional needs of your teachers. Ask the questions, listen to the answers, and provide the options. Oh, and don't be afraid of choices. Autonomy is a key antidote to burnout and a bolster to efficacy. Oh, and one more thing. Call this an extra credit assignment, if you will. If you liked this podcast, please do us a favor. Leave us a positive review wherever you listen to your podcast. Share this with someone you know and help us help others be at their best so they can give their best. Cheers, y'all. See you at the next happy hour. Special thanks to Sherry for sharing her unique insights on professional development and for supporting my belief that there has to be life out there, right? Come on, beam me up. And of course, thanks to our sponsor, Top Youth Speakers, the source for inspiring and impactful speakers and professional development leaders who can help take your students, your staff, and your organization to the next level. Browse the 33 carefully vetted speakers, check out some customer reviews, and watch preview videos at topyouthspeakers.com.